Welcome to the House of Trust. Every week I'm sharing a moment with an inspiring leader who loves to invest in social and environmental change. And together we take the time to be and think beyond skills and competencies about the behaviors and conditions that help you trust and collaborate, deliver on your strategy and fulfill your mission as an impact investor and an impact leader. In short, it's about how you can tell one another and the planet you matter. And today I'm inviting you to think about your boards, formal boards, investment committees, and advisory boards. There's something so powerful about them, mysterious even, and sometimes you know, more casual. Some boards are impenetrable fortresses from which not much variety comes out. And others were nests of goodness, humanity, and efficiency. And to think about boards and governance and, and the glue that holds them, uh, uh, the glue that holds, that holds boards together and makes them supportive entities. with me Karen Lee Anderson, CEO of Social Entrepreneur Place. And Karen, you're a governance and sustainability advisor to mission-driven businesses. You are a non-exec director and chair of the board of various social uh, enterprise networks and firms. And you've been based in Johannesburg, in Cape Town, in London, Edinburgh. And uh, you've worked for uh, prestigious companies like IBM, Grant Thornton, Investec Bank, Oracle Corporation, et cetera, et cetera. It's a lot, a lot of, lot of work you've done uh, into uh, tech startups before focusing on social entrepreneurs across all areas of their business. And you also recently collaborated with Unlimited on their latest fund. Um, I just wanted to uh, flag up that your Winston Churchill Memorial Trust Fellow report is about delivering 100 years of impact. Look at that. Karen, you're also your pet topic is governance. You <laughs> even invented the governance dance. What more do we need to know about you, Karen? Oh, that I also love strengths, and I know you do too. So we, you know, governance and strengths are my two real geek topics. And And when I'm talking about strengths... I love using them on board a lot because I think it's people often talk in terms of icebreakers for getting people together. Mm -hmm. I hate those pointless icebreakers. Um, I kind of go, why do we just not get down to business? And so I often have a one hour icebreaker that's everyone sharing their strengths uh, because I think that's where people understand how we uniquely contribute to any group. Wow. Strength. And you call them, and, and is it so that someone else calling them talents? Yes. So the Gallup Clifton Strengths is the tool that I use. And I use that because like Gallup is the data-driven organization. And I love the robustness of the data behind the Gallup Clifton Strengths. Mm -hmm. And um, they I've used them for about 20 years in the different startups I've worked in. Um, and nearly 30 million people have used Gallup Clifton Strengths Finder. Wow. And when Gallup talk about it, they talk about the assessment identifying your talents and if you invest in them they become your strengths but I like to work with people who are using their talents to the full so I just talk about strengths because I also think if you're doing a strengths assessment talking about talents just confuses everyone oh right okay hmm. so that's a good start <laughs> and and the question I do you know the question I hear regularly uh, in my thinking partnerships either in one-on-one -on -one or uh, with groups 
about about back to the boards about the boards you know about the investment committees and they they say we've got you know plenty of members with um, good strength in finance for instance and uh, they ask there should be more to it than just numbers crunching so what else should we thinking about and then you've got other people who talk about uh, how do we increase uh, the bond and the trust be be between the people on our board? Because they don't really connect. Uh, you know, they're civil with each other, they speak with each other, but it doesn't really gel. So how do we strengthen our foundations for, you know, to to uh, to, to make this collaboration happen for real? And, and we don't necessarily uh, have to go on holiday together, but at least make good decisions, sound decisions, and, you know, get on well. And it's, it's a topic that always comes back. So how do we bring people along, basically? And how do we use strength to do that? What do you think? I always say, and in fact, I've recently done a, a blog post on this, that you get the board you plan for. And so I think the, the first thing is you actually have to plan for these things. And you can't take for granted that because you've got a board of people who are experienced and competent professionals who have been on other committees and other boards before, that they necessarily know how to be the way you want them to be on the board you've got. And I think that there's two differences in this. The first one is being really intentional about your investment processes because you want to support disruptive change in the world. If you're investing in social and environmental change, you simply cannot do the same things you've done before. Mm. So you need to be intentional about that. And you need to remind the people on your board that what you're doing is different from any other board they've been on because the focus is different. And then you also need to recognize that if you aren't intentional and different about your board processes, whether they're investment committee or any of the different groups you discussed, Savan, if you're not intentional about that difference, then how can you support the organizations you invest in to own governance differently because the sort of predominant world view in growing businesses and investment does not naturally include the change does not naturally include impact and so how do you help the boards of those organizations you're investing in and your boards do governance differently to open everybody's eyes to the fact that it's you're doing something different and it's hard Mm, so change is not guaranteed. Change does not, not happen necessarily. You need to have a strong intention. So how does it work in practice? You need to have an intention. And how do you come in, Karen? What do you do? So I think the first thing is um, genuinely looking at who and how you recruit to be on your board. Hmm. And so I think you you need to try and make the makeup of the board as, as diverse as possible in a sense of diversity of thought as much as what people look like or identify as or present as, I think. And, and the way you encourage people to do that is you make your recruitment process much more intentional and you don't have the same description that everyone else has. Mm. You seek out and you are explicit that you want people with different experience I would suggest you don't use the same recruitment company if you do it via a recruitment company. I would even suggest you don't recruit via the same platforms that you would normally recruit by and that you actively seek networks where you can get people who are different. Um, so I was, I helped 
found uh, an organization called Changing the Chemistry, mm-hmm. uh, and that was over 10 years ago. And, and they focus on changing the chemistry of boards, and it's a- across all types of boards. And, and, and so you could put adverts up there you could use women on boards which isn't only women they they but their focus is again really diverse there are a couple of organizations i mean savan your network is really diverse so promoting yeah. so so i think the way you do it but also don't take for granted that you have to have a boring recruitment pack you know have your values and your expectations in that pack and and part of this is not the pack. <laughs> this is you distilling what's special and what you actually want the board to look like. So there's a lot of thought that goes into one or two words in a pack that tells people, oh, actually, they want me. Because most people will be a little bit wary of being on a board within the investment space. The, and I'm talking about most people who are the people you want to add that energy and that difference are the ones who are going to be wary. The people who are going to step up are going to be the people who've done it before, who think it's exactly the same as every other investment committee or every other board they've been on. They're going to go, oh, yeah, that's me. Whereas you actually <laughs> want to jar it. You want them to go, mm, I'm not sure I like that Ooh, idea. You know, I want. Uh, you want to put them off. You want to put off the usual suspects <sighs> and open it up to the unusual suspects unusual suspects okay (laughs) so we we're we're taking so we're not there we're not talking uh, at the moment we're not yet maximizing the board's collective intelligence we need to do the work the homework before i say who's who how are we recruiting who are we talking to what words are we using and i i I know that because I've, i've worked with you in the past and and now and i know that there are words, for instance, that really um, uh, light up my 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 light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> like the word connecting, or the word uh, reflection, or the word oh, many different words. And what's what can you say around that? What can, how do you want to make sure that you get you know the strategists, the connectors, the influencers? How what words do you use? How do you play with words? Well, I think they have to be words that work for you as an organization. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, most of the boards and committees that you and I are talking about have been around for a while. Mm-hmm. And so it's quite useful to go, when did you go, mm, that one didn't work. So it's kind of like, when did you have to say no? When did you have to go, can we manage them out? Because they're just too much of one thing rather than the other. So I think it's sometimes quite useful to go, what do we stand for? And we notice what we stand for when we have to say, no, we're not that. I think mm-hmm. it's really quite helpful to go, First of all, we don't want those words because then you go, well, what would be the words we do want? And I think every organization is different. And Mm -hmm. I I think the problem is people take a mission or vision statement that's being created at the start of an organization and they stick it in. And that might be why you got the money in your fund. Fine. Mm -hmm. But actually, you know, start to sort of resonate. So some, so I work with someone who uses the word kind, and then I go, well, can we have some val- some behavior that shows what we think is kind? Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, one of the words that you might use is professional, but actually then some people would be put off and go, well, I'm not a professional investment person. Mm-hmm. Whereas actually what you want people who are financially literate with common sense are going to go, well, that's never going to work. You know, why are we going to put money in this where, where there's this piece missing in the plan that doesn't make any sense? So do we get them to to have a conversation with us as potential investees differently. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think 
so instead of saying professional, the word intentional might be really useful. It's like we want people who are intentional about how money is used to change the world mm. rather than we want people with professional finance qualifications. Now, they, you might very well look at the skills and experience and want, you definitely want some people on your board who have professional finance qualifications. You don't want to exclude them, but I think you'll be overwhelmed with those ones anyway. So let's just try and pick the ones who go, oh, I never thought of being on a board and that I'd like to do things differently. You know, put, we want people to do investment committees differently. Mm-hmm. We want you to bring different mindset because we're trying to invest in different organizations you know how how can we use our money to be support change how could we use our money to be a bit more activist how could we use our money to be more disruptive or those words that we normally see hmm. and i can guess even disruptive might require a few more explanations yeah, yeah. okay so imagine your board is uh you've done your recruitment and it's all set up and people have been receiving their induction packs, you know, everything is fine and, and done properly. And now you're a few months in and uh, and there's a routine that settles in. How do you want to keep things alight and on fire and uh, not a bad fire, but energizing <laughs> for everybody? How do you want to maximize your board's collective intelligence then? So I would say just one addition to the induction. That's where maybe doing something I mean, I would always say doing the strengths test would be useful because if you, as part of induction, said everyone, old and new people are going to be participating together and you can do it online and I've I've done it really effectively online because I had to over the last two years, but I think it's really nice to feed people and get them to have coffee and chat and get them to talk about the strengths and the, the difference between talking about the strengths in terms of the way Gallup does it and talking about your experience and skills is it's much more personal and it's much more when you're in the flow and what you're passionate about and people laugh they they kind of are they, they love going oh yeah that's me and oh yeah yeah I do have 20 lists or I can't delete emails or I always delete emails and those are not the kind of conversations that you normally have on a board because you're just mm. going in at the I'm a professional and I'm here to do this. Mm-hmm. And so that, I think, helps with that deep connection. And it also means that if you bring in a little bit of even conscious strengths reflections, you know, a good board would be covering the key issues on KPIs, on risk, and and and, and maybe you have a strengths input and going, oh, okay, so just what we've decided to do is this week we're looking at this, this board meeting we're looking at this i know that your activator and your maximizer and your this and this are going to be really really helpful or can we all just park the strengths that push to action at the door and can we so so using a strengths language a little bit more consciously constantly reminds people of their uniqueness but also reminds them of what they have in common with everyone else and it just gives a, a different language it's a people orientated language that's not about numbers that allows people to go oh, so how do you think your futuristic and your strategic would really help us invest differently today so i was thinking when you pose this question it's almost like using the edward de bono hats thinking hats thing where you go, you put this hat on and this hat on, but it's, it's much more personal because it's like, I know I bring these top five strengths and today I'm going to use this one. So Sivan, you lead with 
the strength of empathy that everyone misunderstands because they think it's about thinking about other people. It's about feeling. And so you lead with that. So if we had a meeting and you were in the room and we, and you said, today I'm showing up and using my empathy. So I really want to sense where you're all at. I want to know where the people we're investing are all at and I want to connect with them emotionally. That would be one way of showing up that's kind of a de bono hat, but not really. And equally, yeah. if someone was coming in with context, it's a thinking strength. It's all about... I say it's like bringing their past in a backpack on your back. Mm-hmm. And it's my past. It's the world's past. It's like everything. You know, I might say, well, well, what do we know about these people? What's the context of this investment? What's the, co- where did our money come from? And how is, how is the, where our money come from going to help? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So that's, that's funny. Cause I know one of my strengths is also that w- would have been, would it have been a connection with connectedness and, and strategy Yes. Where I probably see a relation between everything that moves around me, and I can see that that logic. Although I never use the word logic, but also see where we can all go together with that. And my problem is that I might leave a few people <laughs> along the curve because it's, it's, wait a minute, it's going a little bit too far. So can't you see it? I would say uh, no. <laughs> And, and that's so, also where using the, the Gallup strengths in a board meeting would be when you say that someone goes, okay, so Van, your connectedness and strategy is just getting a bit out of hand here. So we need everyone to reverse and to slow down. And yeah. it doesn't mean that we're saying, so Van, you're behaving weirdly. It's just that strength of yours is a bit maxed up right now. So we're just going to tone it down. Right. Because I think, yeah. Oh, um, and the, the, the key point is that when your strength is a bit maxed out, <laughs> <laughs> it becomes a little bit of a handicap as in it's weighing a little bit too much and also you don't bring people along yeah so there's the strength you invite people to have a discussion to really make sure that they understand where everybody's coming from and how we can maximize these 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 talents so that we can use them in the right possible way when we make decision how do we remember to do that i do think one of the challenges on boards is um we don't recruit the right chairs Mm. and I think we often and I constantly have to talk entrepreneurs down and go on this this person's a chair they're amazing and I'm like well actually why are they amazing well they've got this profile and they're this and and in effect they're describing a champion to me they're not describing a chair a good chair is someone who holds the board to account and safe and facilitates that board to be great And so a chair needs to be a lot more thoughtful, intentional. And I think the way the chair leads the board would support them to remember this. And so, you know, Gallup have done data around high-performing teams, and they've actually said that a team that looks brilliant with lots and lots of shiny experience and a team that's kind of average, um, the way they perform depends on how they led. And an average team that's led where everyone is in the flow and delivering to their best will outperform the shiny sparkly team Mm. and with all of Gallup's huge amount of data it's really great that they can do that because they have large corporates and they can literally look at teams in a really deep way but um we don't think of chairs as there to hold the board safe we don't think of chairs as people who are there to facilitate other people speaking rather than them speaking you know the chair is not a figurehead the chair is there to hold that meeting and get it towards an end goal. And if the chair's aim for that meeting is to sign off X number of things, they will manage it very differently from if the chair's goal for the meeting is for everybody to engage 
to the best of their ability to sign off those four things. Mm. And so I, I think when we're talking about recruitment and um, it, it's really helpful to recruit chairs with a, a slightly different job description and kind of say, you know, this is your role to be intentional, to get the best out of everyone. And I think part of the reason why we we take, we don't think about chairs that way is we assume that by the time you're an ed, you know, you're a real grown up. And you've done all these other things. And so you, you, you're you arriving fully formed, ready to be a director. And that's not true. You know, I think we wouldn't expect even a CEO, who we also would expect to be arriving fully formed, ready to deliver. We would never just go, right, you look brilliant. You've done this. Come in and just do your thing. We would induct them. We would give them space. We would support them. We would say, this is how we want to do it. Or you might have done six different, been a CEO of six different organizations before, and we want you to come in and bring newness, but you can't dump this stuff. Mm. You know, we're a different organization. What is it that's different? So that's where it comes back to that thinking and planning and going, what's different about us? How do we want to help the directors be the best they can be? in our board which will be different if we consciously choose it to be different from every other board they've been on mm. it tells me that there that requires some presence from the chair as well not just hammering people with stuff and, yeah. and, and knowledge and stuff but uh, so presence and listening skills and have a conversation with someone you know as well recently who is uh, a ceo of a company and who was looking at changing her board that of course they want um, they want everybody to listen to each other. She needs she needs more space, more space for people's ideas, more people people initiative. It really needs to be a more sort of a more of a dance. <laughs> there we are, <laughs> there we are. I'm laughing because you are the governance dance expert, <laughs> genie, the genie in the governance dance bottle. So, Karen, can you tell us about the governance dance a little bit? just for people to know more because it's a mysterious thing. <laughs> so the governance dance came out of people getting confused between roles in organizations. That's and there is a founder and a member or a shareholder and there are directors and there are people who do stuff basically. Mm. And I, I realized that um, people always get confused. And so when I started with legal structures and investment work, I was, I found myself naturally moving and going, no, 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 let's, let's imagine this space is about the owners and the founders and the shareholders. And what you're talking about is not in that space, it's here. And mm. so instead of moving my hands around, I ended up moving my body and going, no, no, I asked you a question about this one. And then I'd move across and go, not this one. Um, and, and that allowed me to start to explain to people the differences. And I had a conversation yesterday with someone who's trying to start an organization and she wants investment. And I was going, so, no, you're not clear. You're not telling me who's the founder. Uh -huh. So she goes, no, no, I'm the founder. And I said, but you've just told me you want this person involved. How do you want them to be involved? Do you want them to be a co-founder? Are you going to give them shares? Uh -huh. Or are you going to make them an equal member? Um, no, no, I want them to be. Uh, she didn't say no. She said, yes, I do. I want them to be on my board. And I'm going, that's a completely different thing. You've kind of skipped from a founder and a shareholder and a member to a director. They're different. These ones, directors, are accountable to founders. And then, of course, all entrepreneurs get confused because they are in all three. Um, <laughs> but also, I kind of, I have taken the dance metaphor further when I've been supporting people with culture because I think there's something about 
dancing and following that's really important because people think that following is a passive blob-like thing. And and so when you're talking about the chair having presence, you also need the the people who follow and participate to engage because I've got medals in, in ballroom and Latin dancing and I've taught it. And, and teaching people how to follow is as important as teaching people how to lead. And part of it is the hold. And and you have to have a firm hold because if you are trying to lead someone and, uh, and my arm's <laughs> firmly leading, <laughs> it's like all over the place. So you have to step into the dance uh-huh. in order to follow. And you have to be as, you have to push back. You have to hold the space with the person who's leading. And also someone sets the tune. So I, I think people, and to me, that's the values and the the culture. And so it's going, is this a rumba or is this a waltz? And and are you prepared to do a rumba or a waltz? Because if you're not, then don't step in. And if we don't tell you it's a rumba or a waltz, which is we don't tell you this is how we're going to do it. We don't tell you the beat. We don't tell you the rhythm. And we're not explicit about it. Then you're going to come in thinking it's a waltz because you've been on every other board that was a waltz. Now someone's going, no, no, this is a rubber. No, 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 no. So if we don't tell them in setting the, the values, we aren't really explicit in saying this is how we want to do it and set the beat, set the rhythm. And the leader doesn't say I'm leading and I'm clear and I know where I'm going, but you have to come in and hold it and be firm mm. and follow consciously and intentionally, mm. knowing, knowing what rhythm you're following. Helpful. It's so beautiful because I can see you on my screen now and you have <laughs> this beautiful gesture that firm, hand in hand, hold. And so I understand now why some boards are just window dresses. Oh, my God. So this is so insightful. Thank you so much, Karen, for your insights on uh, that, that dance, that governance dance, <laughs> and also how you maximize people's talents and strengths and how you have them to be a bit more present. And also these discussions and these, these dance analogies just make the boards ever so more interesting and, and, <laughs> and, you know, to be in. <laughs> Such a drag if it's just a repeat, repeat, repeat and play or what you've uh, seen somewhere else at the risk of not being um, uh, efficient and, and helpful for the new organization you're helping. So thank you, Karen. And it was a pleasure to have you again uh, in the House of Trust. And, uh, and I hope everyone that you took a lot of notes because there's a lot to do on your board, on your new board, <laughs> on your existing board. Karen, where can we find you? Well, on LinkedIn, Karen D. Anderson. Uh-huh. Um, it's really easy or my website socialentrepreneurplace.com mm-hmm. or on twitter uh, sock and traveler excellent so we'll be sharing all this in our uh, podcast notes and uh, thank you so much thank you so much karen thank you for having me Savannah. Oh, I love how Karen reminded us to look at the differences we want to bring into the world as collectives investment groups etc and what needs to happen in practical terms, if we want to bring this to life. It starts with being intentional about the people we want to work with, how we think together, the chairs who organize us, the investees we select, the board members, but also the colleagues we recruit. But it's also about how we treat each other when we think and make decisions together. It's a reminder we can all contribute uniquely to a project, a venture or a vision, but we need to make space for that. 
So I so love you to let me know how you get on with that governance dance. So thank you again, everybody, for listening to that new conversation in the House of Trust. Next time, I'll be talking to the optimistic VC, Zoe Peden. Zoe will tell us a story or two about social mobility. Can you become an investor when you're not from that ecosystem? The whole podcast series is available to listen to anywhere you love to find your podcast, and it's completely free. So share the love. For more conscious innovation insights, events, and wayfinding resources, check my website, servanmoison.co.uk, and subscribe to my monthly update. I can't wait to connect. So see you next time on Be and Think in the House of Trust. Bye-bye.